What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. We're posting daily content over there. It's still these podcasts for right now. The written content is going to start ramping up again over the next few weeks. Gave the writers a couple of weeks off once the regular season ended. Let them decompress. Look back on the year a little bit and enjoy the playoffs, and we're going to start ramping that back up again. Uh, once November kicks off, which is going to be just a couple weeks, first pitch Arizona is right around the corner, and the offseason uh, is fully going to be in effect pretty soon. That's when we're going to really start to deep dive on 2023 and also start looking ahead to 2024. I'm going to start writing more. I haven't been writing as much this year. I was more in an editor's role for a lot of the season. I also was very busy with work. The job I had this last year, which I'm not in anymore uh, for a good portion of it, I would come home. I would get home at like seven o'clock, and then I'd have to record a show, and then it would just eat into the evening. I didn't have time to properly wind down and relax after a long day. It was stressful. It was a stressful year for sure. Uh, I wasn't able to devote as much time to this as I wanted to. I really wish this was just a career I could just you know 100 percent of the time to baseball. It's not where we are yet. Hopefully, one day we'll get there. For right now, I'm going to try and make a more concerted effort, though, to get back into the writing field. It's something that I love. Like, I am a journalism student. Uh, I'm a couple years away from being fully done with school still. I, I was kind of a late bloomer. I took a couple years off after high school, and then I worked, and then I went back to school. So it wasn't the most direct path. So it's kind of my own fault as well. But we're still a couple years out from being fully solidified there as a journalist. But, I mean, that's my passion is writing and telling stories and I've kind of channeled that through the podcast side a lot this season. There has been a podcast every single weekday from me. You guys know that, especially if you listen regularly. You can go back and check through the feeds. I'm not lying there. Every single day there's been a podcast. But I do want to get back into the written side of it as well. And I've talked about how I'm going to be doing projections this off season. They are coming along. It's tricky. It's a very tricky process knowing what to expect from each individual player. I'm doing this. I'm not using a computer system for this. I am going through the data by hand, making my own projections for each player. There are better systems out there. I'll tell you that right now. The Bat, the Bat X, Zips, oh, Steamer, ATC, they're all going to be more accurate, probably. This is more for my own process to help me understand the player pool to get a general expectation for each player and each team. And I do plan on having a bit of a written, uh, bit of a written component come out with those projections as well. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit throughout the offseason. I'm going to do what I did last year and have some guests on to talk throughout the offseason as well about teams. I'll generally get people from specific cities on for specific teams. Like last year, I had Joe Pizapia come on. He's a Mets fan. Going to try and do that again with Joe this year. Either Bogman or Welsh or both of them for Arizona. And, you know, it'll, it'll work like that. You guys who follow the industry know generally there's people who root for certain teams. You know, either Paul Spore or Michael Govier for the Tigers, maybe Marty Tallman even. Like there's a lot of people who are um, focused on specific teams not like that's their that's their fantasy concept, but that's their actual real-life team that they cheer for. So we're going to talk to some people in those specific cities about their teams, look at the projections that I have, and that'll just be one piece of our, off, our off-season content. There's going to be a ton of written stuff, a ton of audio, a ton of YouTube stuff as well. Going to be doing a lot of YouTube content as well. So make sure you guys are checking us out there, sportsethos.com and sportsethos over on YouTube. I know people always say youtube.com slash whatever. Just go to sportsethos on YouTube. I think that's the more simple way to do it. So today, uh, getting into it, we are going to talk a little bit about yesterday's games. Not so much, because I know some of you guys, a lot of you guys are probably here for fantasy. I am going to be talking a little bit about Trevor May. Trevor May retired yesterday, and honestly, 
I want to go out and buy a jersey after seeing his press conference. Well, it, was it wasn't a press conference. It was a live stream. He was a Twitch streamer. Kind of funny. I remember seeing him years and years and years ago when Fortnite was kind of a big game. I don't know if, how many of you guys remember Fortnite, but Trevor May would hop on streams with these big streamers and play video games. And it was a while where I was thinking, this isn't the same Trevor May who's a baseball player. And then eventually I put it together and I thought, oh my God, like this guy is a major league pitcher and he's doing these streams, whatever. So he has like that streaming platform. He went on the platform yesterday. I believe it was on Twitch, maybe it was somewhere else. And he just roasted the A's owner and a couple other people. It was great. You guys got to go check it out. We're going to talk a little bit about Trevor May uh, and his career. And there's also been a couple of pieces of news that have slipped through the cracks a little bit over the last week or so. Now it is the off season. Uh, technically speaking, there's playoff baseball going on, uh, but you know, we've kind of missed a couple of things. One or two things that I generally just didn't think we needed to cover at the time. And we're going to just play catch up a little bit here uh, with a couple of pieces of news that are going to be kind of fantasy related heading into 2024. But let's start off uh, with a little bit of look back on these games from yesterday. Rangers did end up winning. Uh, when we were recording yesterday's show it was the third inning. It was five, one Rangers. I figured the Rangers would end up taking this one and they did. It was 5-4. to four. They definitely made it interesting. Jordan Alvarez hit a couple of home runs. Alex Bregman hit one as well. Jordan Alvarez and Bryce Harper are competing right now for current best hitter on the planet Like at this point in time. Yeah, you can judge Otani, Acuna, whoever. These two right now at the highest level are just dominating. Jordan hit two home runs, and you know it, they unfortunately came up a little short. Not his fault at all. And then on the Philly side, you got Bryce Harper, uh, who did hit the home run. He had a couple of hits yesterday, drove in a couple runs, scored a couple. He even drew a walk. Like, he's just – they are both doing everything that they can. Now, the Phillies actually came out on top yesterday. They did get a really good effort from Zach Wheeler. Again, six innings, three hits, two earned runs, and eight strikeouts. Really good performances out of the pen as well. Anthony Dominguez uh, allowed an unearned run, and then Alvarado and Kimbrell uh, covered over the last couple of innings there. Scoreless ball as well. They are looking like they are going to win the World Series. I know that this is baseball, and we've seen it firsthand this season. We don't know what the hell we're going to talk about in you know two days from now, what the storyline is going to be. Because most of the year, the storyline was, at least in the National League, Dodgers and Braves are going to be playing each other in the National League Championship Series. It didn't happen. you know, And that's something we kind of expected the whole year. It doesn't always work out the way you think it is. So even though I think that the Phillies are probably going to at first beat the Diamondbacks and then beat whoever advances in the American League we've learned we've learned we've learned over and over again that we don't really ever know what's going to happen so if I had to place a bet right now I'd place a bet on the Phillies to win the World Series but it's it's super super random Zach Gallen did not give them a great start yesterday five innings he left five earned runs walked a couple only struck out four the bullpen was pretty solid after him. He got uh, three solid shutout innings after the after that. But uh, overall, they're going to need to be a little bit better offensively uh, and in their pitching as well. Arizona only managed four hits in yesterday's game. You're not going to really do much, especially when Geraldo Perdomo is your main offensive contributor. He hit the home run. He drove in a couple. That was kind of it for them. Uh, they did have another run on a sacrifice fly in the seventh, and Alec Thomas sacrifice fly, but... Arizona's going to need to get to these pitchers. Arizona is going to need to figure out how to get to Nola and to Wheeler because they're facing Nola tonight. I'm not sure how it'll all break down. They have Wednesday off, then they're back Thursday and Friday. So I don't know, is Wheeler going to be the guy who pitches Friday again on four days? I'm not really sure how they're going to do it exactly. But if they're going to win this series, if Arizona's going to win this series, they're going to have to beat Nola, 
at least tonight once and probably another time and then Wheeler again as well. Like it's not a short task that they have facing them. Now Arizona's pitching, they burned their ace yesterday in a not great start. So they're going to need to rely on Merrill Kelly and Brandon Fott over these next couple of games to really keep them in it against an incredibly hot offense. I can't really see it happening as of right now. Of course, anything can happen. Anything can happen, like I said, playoff baseball. But as of right now, you'd kind of be crazy to not think the Phillies are going to pull this one away, which probably means that they're not going to. Like I said, uh, might be prudent to put a buck or two on the Diamondbacks. But in all likelihood, I, I don't think the Diamondbacks are going to be able to do much. The, the randomness of baseball leads you to believe that maybe they could. But these Phillies look incredibly impressive. The, uh, the Texas Rangers on the other side as well, they are looking like they're going to be tough to beat. Now, I said this yesterday. You can't write off the Houston Astros ever. You can't do it, especially not in this time frame. They have just been so good for so long. They've also been a lot better on the road, and they're going to be heading uh, to the road now for the next couple of games in Texas. They could very easily even this series up. But they also have to face Max Scherzer the next time around. Now, Max Scherzer hasn't pitched in a while. Last time he got into a game was September 12th. Looking at more than a month off, I don't know what we're going to expect from him, but it's certainly, you know, still Max Scherzer. As much as he's not, the, you know, the Max Scherzer that we have known as the you know multiple-time Cy Young winner and an All-Star Hall of Fame level pitcher, he's still a three seven seven ERA this year, one point one two WHIP, well over a strikeout per inning, one hundred seventy four of them in one hundred and fifty two innings. He's still a great pitcher, and this is not going to be an easy task for Houston, especially with Christian Javier on the mound. I mean, Christian Javier is somebody that. You can't really trust him as far as you can throw him. He just did have a, a really good start, you know, all things considered against Minnesota. Five shutout innings. He did strike out nine. He also walked five batters in that game, and that's been kind of a constant theme with Javier this year. We've seen a lot of outings this season. We're looking at three walks, five walks, six walks, four walks, five walks, six walks. It's not been a great year for control from him. Overall, he finished here with a 4.73 ERA, and in the second half of the year, he looked dreadful. Like I was, I was saying it all over the place that he was a drop. I dropped him in my own home league. He was terrible. He was terrible down the stretch. Now, what he's going to do against a fairly hot Rangers team is anybody's guess. You know, it all goes back to, uh, like I said, and I know this. Is, you guys are coming for analysis, and you, you want to know, you know, the under the hood numbers, and we do that throughout the regular season, but in the playoffs you can kind of throw all that away for a one-game sample size. And I know, I know the numbers people are going to be upset. And I am one of those numbers people, generally speaking. I do not evaluate a player without looking at a lot of different factors. I go through the Fangraphs pages. I go through the pitcher list pages. I go through Baseball Savant. There is a lot of data to read through. But in a one-game sample size, I don't think that data, many of those data points really matter that much. It's kind of why I was miffed with Jose Barrios being pulled after three innings. Aside from the fact that I was, you know, an angry Jays fan at the time, it just, and I'm still an angry Jays fan, by the way, it just, decisions like that don't really make sense based on, you know, years worth of data, or even if it's one season worth of data to make decisions based on one play or based on one data point, slugging percentage, second time through the order or whatever it is. Regardless, that just to prove my, not even prove my point, try and make my point of it's a one game sample size, you know, you could be 0 for 100 against the player, against the pitcher, and then hit four home runs in that one game. And you could be 100 for 100 against somebody and then go 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. Like, we really don't, and I'm using extremes here to prove my point, it's really not a situation where we can really ever predict. 
So Christian Javier might be amazing, and Max Scherzer might be terrible. But I think we are headed, as of right now, tentatively, towards a Rangers-Phillies World Series, which would be kind of interesting. I know a lot of people don't want to see the Astros there again. I personally don't really care one way or the other. I know it's it's. I'm not a big Astros fan. I've come out against guys like Altuve in the past and Bregman and Correa, but they are still, you know, performing at a very high level. And you do like to see dynasties in sports, right? I think at this point we can understand that even if they did cheat in 2017, and I think they did, they have proven beyond that that they are an incredible team. So them going to the World Series, as much as people will be upset by that, if that if it happens, that's a, the caveat. If it happens. I don't think we should be, right? I think it's the same vein as, like, Barry Bonds. Yeah, Barry Bonds cheated. He absolutely cheated. But even without the cheating, he was still incredibly good. He was still an amazing player. So I put them on kind of that same level, if you guys get my drift there, that even though there was some cheating, you still have to look at how great they are as a whole. And I don't even – they're not cheating anymore. Like, they're, they're not. Um, so you can't really hold that against them to this point. A lot of the core has shifted over. There's still some of the same players – but, you know, Tucker and Alvarez and Pena, those guys weren't there. Those guys are very easy to root for, specifically Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez. Um, so I, I don't have any problem with them going back to the World Series should they get there. I think there's a possibility that they do still. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, tonight we have the Diamondbacks and Phillies, and then tomorrow we'll have the Astros and the Rangers. And then on Thursday we'll have both of them added again. We'll update you guys in a couple days on that series. But let's talk a little bit about Trevor May. Trevor May is, I want to buy a jersey. Like, I honestly am debating buying a Trevor May jersey. He ripped into John Fisher. And I'm going to use a bad word here in a second, and I'm going to quote him. So if you don't want to hear the bad word, you can skip ahead about 20, 30 seconds. So he said on his stream, take mommy and daddy's money somewhere else. If you're going to be a greedy fuck, own it. There's nothing weaker than being afraid of cameras. And he said a lot more beyond just that, too. He took a couple shots at certain people. He essentially just told his boss to screw off after he quit and retired. Um, quit's not the right word, but after he retired, he tells his boss to screw off. It's a, it's a great situation, especially because it's John Fisher and it is the athletics. And we've seen the whole year how cheap they are. We've seen for actually more than just this year. We've seen going back several years how cheap they are trading off prime quality players you know players in their prime, all-stars, Olsen and Murphy and, I mean, Chapman is uh, whatever, but... You know, their whole pitching staff gone, everybody gone, everybody traded for for nothing, pretty much. Like, they got not much of a prospect haul in return there. Just a bad ownership group, bad, it seems like a bad dude. John Fisher seems, from all, from all accounts, like a bad dude. Uh, but Trevor May kind of gave it some perspective yesterday, and I really recommend going and watching uh, parts of his stream, or even in the whole stream if you have time to. It was hilarious. It, it was great. He is a no-bullshit type, which you got to kind of appreciate in the way that the world works these days. A lot of people bullshit. A lot of people try and, you know, oh, you know, he was my boss and uh, all respect in the world, whatever. Trevor May just told it like it was. And for that reason, you got to give him some props. You also got to give him props because down the stretch, Trevor May was really, really good. Uh, in the second half of the season, Trevor May was one of the more valuable relief pitchers you could have had this season. So if you did happen to pick him up, if you did stream him, even if you just you know drafted him and rostered him, you probably had a pretty decent second half of the season. Very cheap save guy, good ERA, decent strikeouts, and you know it, it worked out. So good for Trevor May. He might have secured some fantasy titles on his way out the door, and you know he got a lot of respect from the baseball world as well. Uh, a lot of fun to see Trevor May do that yesterday. 
But I do want to talk about a couple of things here that we did kind of gloss over a little bit. Uh, we may have just briefly mentioned this one, but we didn't really get into it in depth. It's Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright had so, uh, shoulder surgery a few days ago, I think maybe even a week ago now, and he's expected to miss the entire 2024 season. This is a tough one to swallow because the Braves, oh, this is tough for the Braves to swallow because their pitching depth has just kind of been depleted a little bit already. We know that their pitching was something that, you know, outside of Strider and Free, they didn't really have much going into the postseason. And, you know, Morton was hurt and they just weren't really, you know, fully depth. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, I'm, I'm not using my proper words here. They did not have the proper depth at the starting pitcher position. And it, and it showed. And now this is going to be another piece that they're not going to have next season. Kyle Wright may end up being somebody that we look back on the 2022 year as just a crazy flash in the pan. What the hell was that? Because he won 21 games. He had a 3-1-9 ERA. And he was you know an incredible real-life and fantasy asset. Will he ever get back to that? Outside of those 180 innings that year, here are the innings pitched by year for Kyle Wright. He threw six of them in 2018 at the Major League level. 19 in 2019, he threw 38 innings in 2020, 6 innings in 2021, 180 last year, and then 31 this year. There were some innings sprinkled in at the minor league level, but in terms of the big league pitching that we've seen from him, it really hasn't been that much, considering the next time he gets on the mound, he's going to be at least 29 years old. He's just turned 28 a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah, October 2nd, he turned 28 is he going to get back on the mound in the next year? He's expected to miss all of next season, so likely not. You're looking at the best-case scenario. He's 29 by the next time he touches the mound again. Uh, we might be looking at that 2021 season, or excuse me, that 2022 season where he won 21 games as just this ridiculous outlier that we have no chance of ever seeing again from him. It, it, I, I don't know if you can even really project him to be much going forward at all, uh, you know, a shoulder surgery. I think this is the second time he has had shoulder surgery. I could be wrong, uh, but he, no, maybe they didn't do surgery before, but he has had lingering shoulder pain for a long time. This is what has cost him the whole season already. Uh, he's had cortisone shots and stuff, but no, they didn't do any actual procedures. I just don't understand why they waited so long. I mean, there's a couple of players that you didn't, you know, you heard about this. They were injured and we knew it during the year and they didn't have surgery until late in the year or after the season. I really don't understand it. But I do think that Kyle Wright might be done as we know him as a starting pitcher. Like maybe we see him as a long reliever. Maybe we see him as a setup guy, closer. Who knows? I don't think he has closer stuff. But I don't know that we're going to be able to see him come back and throw 180, 200 inning seasons with all the trouble we've seen from his shoulder specifically this year. So I do have to put the uh, pause, put the pause button on for Kyle Wright. You know, if you're drafting for 2024 right now. You can't take him, even if it's you know the very last round. You say, oh, you know, maybe he comes back. You can't invest anything on him. If he comes back, then he'll be a fab waiver wire guy. But there is absolutely zero need to be using a draft pick on him at this point. It stinks because he looked like he was going to be really good. Anybody who's pitching regularly for the Braves is going to be a 20-win threat. Everybody who comes up in that organization seems to be a very good pitcher outside of the fact that, yes, they're supported by an incredible offense. They seem to just have a lot of talent you know, on the mound in that organization. But Kyle Wright, it looks like, might be one of the guys that we can't really factor in too much to the fantasy conversation going forward. Let's talk a little bit about Alec Manoa. I don't really want to get into it so much. But there was a report that I saw, it was maybe a week ago now, and it was a little bit interesting to me that Alec Manoa had an injection in his shoulder. 
now, according to here, I'll read the report. So Ross Atkins, the general manager, said that uh, Minot received an injection to relieve discomfort in his shoulder. Multiple tests have revealed uh, that there's no structural damage. So this is something we kind of speculated on throughout the year a little bit. Uh, I did on this show, I speculated on it. Um, when we did, I did the Rotowire pod with Jeff Erickson. We talked about it a little bit. And I believe there was one or two other shows that I was on this year. And I mean, definitely on this show, we talked about it. Alec Manoa was not himself the whole year. And I thought that there might be some kind of underlying injury the whole time. Because you know, whatever happened with him, his ERA went up like four and a half runs this season as opposed to last year. Three, four, four and a half run kind of range. It was awful. Like he was garbage the whole season. There was one or two starts that were kind of okay. When he first got called back up, he faced the Tigers. He did really well. That's kind of the only one that's sticking out to me that was actually a really good effort from him. Maybe there was an actual injury that the team has been reluctant to announce because we have not really seen that, you know, smoke spoken about very much at all. Discomfort in the shoulder. I haven't heard much about this, really. I mean, as somebody who is a Toronto guy who just, you know, absorbs a ton of Toronto sports content, listening to local radio, following along on social media and whatnot, there was never really that much reported about, you know, there being an injury in his shoulder. There was a lot of speculation. We never heard from the team, unless I'm just crazy and forgetting about it, that there was actually a legit injury there. So they're putting cortisone or whatever they're injecting into his shoulder. It makes me think that maybe there was something that was there the whole time, whether or not they knew about it or not, and we can maybe attribute some of Manoa's struggles to that. There's also a chance that I'm a delusional Jays fan trying to find a reason to explain his god-awful season. And there needs to be some way to explain it. Whether it's mental, whether it's physical, whether it's something in between, or something else entirely, there is a reason for it. Maybe it is as simple as his shoulder was kind of hurt this year, never got it fully built up, the pitch clock didn't help, didn't allow him to have that time to wind up and wind down between pitches, and he was just kind of rushed this year. Maybe after another year of adjusting to it, he will be better. I honestly don't know the answer. But I think this is something we can look at and say, maybe Manoa's not just cooked. Maybe there is a legit injury. If he can rehab that and heal it, maybe he can get back to, and I'm not saying he's going to be a 225 ERA guy again, but Manoa, true talent-wise, is probably a 3-5 to 4 ERA pitcher. Worst case scenario, he's probably about a 4 ERA pitcher. We have saw him over his first 50-some-odd starts have a sub-3 ERA. Like Maybe that's just luck. Maybe he just was you know, out running his uh, peripherals. I don't know. I think that he's quite a bit better than what we saw this year, which was a, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, uh, 587 ERA and a 1.74 whip. He was garbage. Like, he was truly garbage. And I say that as somebody who was a huge fan of his, ranked him as a top 15 pitcher coming into this season. But I need to find something, and maybe we'll find it in our offseason process, to understand what happened this year. And maybe it's as simple as the shoulder was a little bit under the weather and we'll rehab it throughout the offseason, and we'll get it fixed up and ready for 2024. I think he goes into the 2024 season as the Blue Jays' fifth starter. Maybe they trade him. Maybe he starts the year in, in Buffalo. Maybe they, I don't know. I actually don't know because we have so long here to kind of parse through the season and figure out what he did that I, I don't want to you know speculate too soon. But my prediction as of right now is that Manoa is the number five starter for the Jays going into next year, and we'll see how he does from there. That'll do it for me, guys. Uh, check me out over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. If you got any questions, of course, you can send them in over there. Ethos Fantasy BB is where we post all of our podcasts, articles, news, and notes. That's E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. Make sure you're checking us out over there. And, of course, SportsEthos.com is the place where you can get it all right from the source. Go check out the YouTube as well. Dan Bespris doing live stuff on YouTube every single day. 
basketball, fantasy basketball, and fantasy football content is out there. And like I said, uh, throughout this offseason, we're going to do a lot of baseball content on YouTube as well. But that'll do it. Like I said, go check out the socials. Until tomorrow, guys. Have a great night. Take care. Cheers.